Hello, welcome to episode seven of Pod Like a Hole. Uh, again, thank you for listening and all the feedback that we've received uh, so far. It's been a lot of fun. Um, in this particular episode, it's not like we are procrastinating to get to the fragile, but uh, it needs to be certainly said, uh, if you're going to delve into the history of Nine Inch Nails or Trent Reznor, you really have to talk about Nothing Records and all of the bands, artists, and acts that uh, he helped introduce to fans like us. Um, and with me, this is your host, Mark Branstead. Um, I've got uh, Stephen Earl Chambers. That's me. And I also have with me Eric Anderson. Returning special guest many times over. Thanks for having me again. (laughs) They're staples. They're featured staples now at this point. So to get right into the crux of things. You're basically the Dane DeVito and it's always sunny. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I finally got made executive producer. (laughs) That's true. Well, at the rate Mark's producing the last one, we might have to... uh... (laughs) I'll get it done. Yeah, we've got some episodes in the can that we're going to get out to you real soon. I hope you guys noticed that when I was asking Mark about, hey, how's that coming? And uh, I was like, if you need help, Eric can help you. I'm not going to. I would yeah. listen. It would be that would be like uh, you know uh, Rick Rubin trying to produce a Dr. Dre beat. It, you know, it's just he's got his own style. I don't want to step on his uh, produ- production toes. I don't want to either. Mark can take as long as he wants. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, like on that last episode. Uh, so uh, if you didn't listen to our last episodes because they had be split into two, uh, we had our friend and special guest Joe Vieira. And uh, we recorded it at Steve's house, and there was just it was a it was a lot of fun, uh, but there was just a lot of activity. We can say. we can control this environment very well, <laughs> despite Mark's two hellions. Uh, exactly. The the basement we weren't. I mean, we were. I wasn't ready for all the uh, the, the 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 rogue elements that were going to happen. Was, <laughs> my dog was jangling around. That's right. Snacks were louder than we thought they would be. Yeah. Joe, period. Joe, period. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, we're going into ni- nothing records. I was, like, yeah, I was wondering, does the air horn make it worse or better? Oh, yeah, that's right. We had a <laughs> heater. Like, if you touched it wrong, it would uh, buzz at you. Oh, no, I was talking about for Joe. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> so in this particular episode, we're going to talk about the genesis of nothing records, how it died, um, where it's at today, what if Trent Reznor is going to be continuing a, uh, a label on his own. Um, but we'll get all into that. Um, so first, I'm going to talk a little bit about the, the beginning of Nothing Records. Um, it actually lasted from 1992 till uh, 2005. Um, it was started because Jimmy for, Iovine... For a vanity label, that's pretty good. Right, yeah. 2005, though. Yeah. The last few years, it was nothing in, in name only. Yeah, actually, it's true. it was nothing in name only. Yeah. It's exactly right. <laughs> that is exactly yeah. right. Um, right. And we'll get to how it all kind of got fucked up. Um, but how it started was uh, Jimmy Iovine was really trying to. We covered this in a previous episode. He was really trying to get Trent to sign to Interscope, and uh, one of the things that Trent was uh, asking for was his own label. And he wanted to be able to bring in other artists who he felt 
um, that he would be able to protect and uh, not get fucked over like uh, TVT fucked him over. <coughs> so um, his first act that he signed um, was uh, Marilyn Manson. And Marilyn Manson actually does take up the lion's share of most of uh, the catalog on Nothing Records. They have more Nothing Records releases than even Nine Inch Nails themselves. And they'll be taking up most of your airtime tonight. Exactly. So you know how we like to go track by track, and um, we were not going to go track by track on every one of these bands. And, you know, one of the... Or any of these bands. That's its own podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would... Uh, Goodness gracious. So obviously Marilyn Manson is probably the closest to the whole nexus of what Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails are all about. Um, you know, and they definitely have an ebb and flow in, in the relationship. And, uh, I mean, we could do a whole podcast on all of Marilyn Manson's catalog, but we're probably not going to do that. Uh, and I say probably not because Eric won't, uh, cotton to that. No, that's, it's a good that we have. Yeah. That's a good spin off. <laughs> we have, we have an objective. Uh, once we get into our history of the band, you'll understand why Mark and I would just, if you let us go haywire, it would be a, yeah, go on forever. Absolutely. Um, but so, all, they, they all they they had the most releases on the label, and also I think they might have been the best selling band. Uh, just I, I, it's possible Antichrist Superstar might have outsold Downward Spiral. Not Downward Spiral was that the best selling Nothing Records release over Fragile. I mean, they were. Oh no, I think Downward Spiral sold more than the Fragile. I remember when the Fragile came out, and it was like number one in the Billboard. Oh no, charts. the Fragile was out was not outsold by the Downward Spiral. Yeah, yeah. So that was, no. that was it, it was best. actually uh, looking ahead. The Fragile was. Noted for having the biggest plummet from number one to number whatever. Right. From yeah. week one to week two. Exactly. I remember that. But um, I, I think it's possible Antichrist Superstar might, it, it rivals the sales of Downward Spiral. You know, it might because. In the zeitgeist, at least, that album was huge. Definitely. I mean, uh, I think The Beautiful People was as big of a hit as Closer, if maybe not bigger. Oh, you know, for, for as many strip clubs as Closer you hear at, you hear the beautiful people at basketball games. So. Right, exactly. <laughs> yes, I know. I was uh, texting uh, these guys when we were going through our homework assignment, and I, would, and I said, the beautiful people, I think, is replacing Rock and Roll Part 2 by Gary Glitter. It's, <laughs> it, it's letting the fans know it's time to get loud. Funny enough, that and Duhast are both... Uh, That's true, yeah. You hear them at uh, the Kings want, games. If you want to be part of our text thread, just text your phone number. Play, <laughs> post your phone number on our Facebook page. And, uh, and we'll add you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about Marilyn Manson. Steve's going to walk us through Antichrist Superstar. Uh, some of the other, I'm just going to run down the list of the roster of artists on nothing. And, uh, as we get to that part, we will uh, hand it off to whomever's got that homework assignment. Uh, so Marilyn Manson, um, the, the, they had one album. Um, they were an eighties band that, uh, definitely had some notoriety. They were signed to Sony. And they released only one album on Nothing towards the end of Nothing um, as it started to implode. Uh, 12 Rounds, uh, they released one record. Prick, who we obviously nope. talked about. 12 Rounds about. had two. Did they have two? They stuck around to the, very, the bitter end with Nothing. They yeah. did, but they have a third unreleased record yeah. that is just waiting to yeah. be Which released. Which we'll get to when we do this part. Yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Prick, who we've obviously talked about and uh, we'll... Talk Gotta about again. Give a little more details <laughs> on that. Uh, Pop Will Eat Itself. Uh, um, and Eric's got a lot to say about that band. 
2, uh, which had Rob Halford and John Lowry. John Lowry is also known as John 5 from Marilyn Manson. Um, Pig, uh, which is Raymond Watts from uh, KMFDM fame. Beautiful. And we'll definitely get into that. Um, He's his own man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Einstruzende New Bouton, um, mm-hmm. and uh, they had one record, and obviously they brought a lot to industrial and experimental um, uh, rock music. And then there was also a variety of bands, uh, well, I can't really say bands, but more... Uh, Electronic acts. There you go. Uh, that mm-hmm. were... So Meat Beat Manifesto, um, which kind of crosses a little bit of boundaries. It's not just so much of uh, button twiddling and whatnot, um, but Square Pusher, Plaid, Autecker, uh, Plug. Plug, and the Bowling Green were all band or all acts that uh, were on Warp Records and they weren't necessarily signed to nothing in that sense. They were more licensed to have distribution here in the U.S. Right. And then there were some other acts that never saw the light of day um, that were under contract but never released. And as we talk about uh, Nothing Records, you'll see why that didn't happen. Uh, so there was Mondo Vanilli, uh, Trust Obey, Coil, and if Tapeworm ever saw the light of day, definitely Tapeworm would have oh. been on Nothing. Yeah. Um, so where do we begin, guys? Uh, do you want to lead off on... Uh, some of these smaller acts before we get into the main course. I was thinking about that. Um, the main course is going to, we're going to end up talking a long time. So we don't want to have it be 11 p.m. and then we're like, oh God, we still haven't talked about the the. So <laughs> maybe let, let's, let's roll through the rest of the Nothing roster and then just uh, we'll delve into Marilyn Manson proper in the second half of the episode. There you go. So if you're waiting for that track by track review of Antichrist Superstar, and I, I am as anxious as you are, dear listener. You're going to get it in the second half of the episode. <laughs> um, so to start it off, um, I'll go ahead and hand it to Eric. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll first talk about um, one of the early bands uh, that was signed to nothing. Um, would that be either uh, Prick that you want to talk about yeah, a little bit with, more in detail? Yeah, let's start with Prick. All right. So Prick uh, is Kyle McMahon, um, who was part of Lucky Pierre, which... Uh, Trent Reznor played with or played alongside during the yeah the, so. yeah yeah during the Exotic Birds <coughs> era. So these Cleveland electronic pop groups that clearly had members that wanted to do more edgier music, but um, like I've listened to Exotic Birds, it's it's a uh, you know it, it's very it's a, just a synth pop group. It's not there. There's no yeah. There's no hard edge to it whatsoever. Um, <coughs> and. Uh, they they knew themselves from that, and in, and since Lucky Pierre is like uh, had reunions and such, and Comic Man's still a part of that. Uh, but he wanted to start a project, and um, that was a little harder, and it was mostly uh, himself and a couple a couple other of the Nothing Records uh, studio musicians, <laughs> and he and then he did uh, he did this one album uh, for Prick. And uh, of course, of course, Trent not only put it out, but then brought him along to be the opening act for the outside tour with David Bowie. Um, which you saw that, tour. yeah, Tell I did. Me what were they like? What was Prick like live? Well, Prick, uh, and maybe it's like the interviews I've read in preparation for this, but they were very good. But they they didn't have like 
star quality on the stage. You know what I mean? Like they weren't like they felt like, and, and, and I would probably feel the exact same way. They were opening for fucking David Bowie and Nine yeah. Inch Nails, like, and yeah. the guy is straight up said he never wanted to be a star. So, you know, it was just basically like five songs and off the stage. But Animal Live was amazing. It was really, really good. Uh, so I'm very happy to have seen him. I think the guy's an amazing vocalist, and um, if you listen to that album, Communique. Uh, He's a pretty yeah. good songwriter, too. I like yeah. that album. Yeah. It's we talked about it yeah, a little bit. It's self-titled, yeah. though, right? Yeah, yep, okay. self-titled, yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, it's very good. Uh, after that, they broke up, he went on and did a Prick album solo on the internet. I've never listened to it. I can't find it anywhere. But he did like like a mail-order album that was not involved in Nine Inch Nails. He... <clears throat> Uh, it sounds like that that Trent didn't do a lot for publicity for the bands on there. It was just kind of like we'll put the name on it. The rest is up to you. Yeah, that was the, the publicity was your own Trent Reznor's label. Yeah, yeah, and uh, they just kind of felt neglected a little bit. So it wasn't the best terms that he left with, which you'll hear that from a lot of these bands. Um, so, anyways, but uh, if you're gonna listen to Prick, uh, listen to Animal. The single's amazing. Listen to the opening track, Communique. And uh, if you want to hear Trent singing backup vocals, listen to other people. It's a great song. She said, you're a boy, and I am a woman, and that was all she said. You love me, and I need you. She put it in my head, in my head. She put it in my head. If you don't want it, other people will. That's what I gotta say about prick. Never forget about no fair fights. Uh, yeah, and Ox- exotic birds also had uh, Chris Renna was in that band. Right, right. So yeah, there's a, there's a couple of Nash Nails crossovers there. Um, yeah, I mean, like uh, as uh, that was really good. I mean, I think that when I re- I remember when I first heard Prick, I had a friend named Ross, and he was really into Nine Inch Nails, oh, yeah. and he just also introduced me to uh, um, Marilyn Manson as well. And uh, he thought Prick was terrible. He thought it was just like, this is garbage. This is like poor man's. And this is before, uh, 95 is kind of when things really started to, when, I mean, Stabbing Westward. <laughs> you know, I'm just Even like, I'm trying to think Westward what's on the radio. I would actually put time. Prick in line with Stabbing Westward. Yeah. Which, as we established already, they share a drummer. They do, yeah, I know. And, and, and Stabbing Westward is like a, a hard rock band that happens to have keyboards and kind of, yeah. in a way, cashing in on the industrial crossover kind of thing. Right, right. And I would say Prick is doing the exact same thing. He's a great vocalist. He's very melodic. The music itself is more poppy than industrial. I'm not going to call Prick an industrial yeah, album. Uh, no, that's exactly what it yeah. is. It's it's hard. <clears throat> it's hard rock pop industrial-ish. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It definitely, the melodies and the songwriting comes before how abrasive it is. Right. But to my point, I disagreed with him. I think that uh, Prick can stand on its own. Yeah. I mean, I don't think yeah. it needs to live in the shadow. Of course, the production of Animal, you, you, if, if you're a Nine Inch Nails fan, you're absolutely going to hear the similarities between some of the uh, effects uh, yeah. that they also use on Closer. But it's it's a solid pop song. It's, it's a great, it's a great song. song. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it, and you're right. The, he, vocally, he's... I mean, it's not like uh, he's not my top ten vocalist of all time. He's, but he's but extremely he talented. He he's extremely talented. Yeah, I, I I stand by this as as a you know an, uh, a a high water mark for Nothing Records. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. a it's a good release. No, well, 
when you take Marilyn Manson and Nine Nails out, the it's not that hard to get into the uh, high water <laughs> mark. Uh, you're right. It's <laughs> be competent true. and listenable and memorable, and uh, you're halfway there. Yeah. That's all I got to say about Prick. Um, yeah. yeah. Apparently, uh, the last. This is interesting enough. Interscope released their album on vinyl last year. That's true for the first time. Yeah, but yeah, he's yeah. Been... You can find it on Nine Inch Nails' uh, online uh, store as Ooh. well right now. Um, they, they were working on a double album towards the end of the aughts, and Trent Reznor said, uh, "Let's do something more commercial," which seems funny to me. But, yeah, you know that comes up a lot with yeah. a lot of these people talking about how, like, trust obey. And I yeah. know that you're going to get into yeah. that. Yeah, why? Why he would say that to bands like. You know, you don't you don't sign Square Pusher, and then we're that not. was the first. Right. That was the that was the the whole reason he started this label was to not have to worry about those things. That's right. But maybe, so I maybe if that's how they maybe felt. he soon found that oh, you need to sell records. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> and and how much of it was him saying that, and how much of it was Interscope's pressure too? And be middle management having yeah. to be the yeah. bad the, yeah. the bad guy. Yeah. No wonder he probably was happy to be done with the whole project. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's um, not a great position to be in. Yeah. You know. Um, so I know we've kind of talked about Prick in the uh, previous episode, and so before Prick, there was actually another band, and I'm gonna still, sorry, Steve, you get to you get to wait a little bit. Um, Pop will eat itself. Oh, Tell God. me about yes. Pop will eat itself. So Pop will eat itself is old. They've they're they've been around since the '80s. Um, Clint Mansell is is one of the head songwriters, and he went on to do uh, to score basically like the Aronofsky movies. He's a very talented uh, 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 film score uh, film composer. If you if you've seen Requiem for a Dream, you you remember his theme song, the Chronos yeah. Quartet. Yeah, it is a fantastic yeah. soundtrack. Yeah, very good. Yeah, um, and then uh, so he so he started this group, and the when they first started, if you listen to their '80s stuff. The music, the background music, sounds like a lot of the clubby, electronic, kind of industrial. Um, but the vocals are sometimes they rap, sometimes they sing, sometimes it sounds like Britpop. The guitar, the uh, this is all before Nothing Records, um, and it's very weird. It would never sell in America because the thing it is, didn't, and it didn't. No. And the thing is, is they were doing. One thing I think that makes it a little more listenable is they're rapping, but they're never trying to sound cool. They're fucking rapping about Alan Moore and Terminator movies and very nerdy pop culture stuff. I have to listen to them the same way I listen to Kim FDM. They're like this weird art school, like uh, pop art, yeah. like 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 cut and paste kind of project. Sure. Um, and that makes them a little bit more tolerable. Um, I do enjoy them. I think Clint Mansell is an amazing songwriter and his... Melodies get stuck in my head for a long time. Um, go listen to uh, 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 Can You Dig It? Um, go listen to uh, uh, Wise Up Sucker, and you, you won't get those songs out of your head. Now, they did eventually, Nine Inch Nails saw them on various tours, and, and they, had a, they were working on a new project that was guitar-heavy, more industrial, more political, more serious, and Trent's like, all right, I'm going to put that one out. That was Dos Dados, Mis Amigos. Um, that's their high, that's, that's their best work. Uh, it is darker. It is more serious. Um, uh, Eek Bean Nine Auslander is a fantastic song. It's a good and, song. And yeah, that somehow, uh, either the video or the, the quad yeah. one of the six got that song to me when I was yeah. a teenager. Yeah. Well, well how I got on the radio, you actually heard on the radio. Huh? I, 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 either the video quad or did a, quad. Quad did a midnight industrial I show. I can imagine quad yeah, would have played quad it. Quad did a midnight show. industrial show that, it, that I definitely remember hearing it on. 
Um, See, I remember the uh, the video I saw it on Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah and, I believe uh, it. It's a ridiculous video. Yeah, they have these video. big giant it looks like, it looks yeah. like foam guitars. It reminds and, me of ICP. Yeah, and the song have, doesn't. The video does. Then they have neon right. and they have the big cat yeah. in the hat hats. It's and, the nineties, yeah. the early nineties. Yeah. Uh, it's ridiculous. But that song you can't beat that song, even with the ridiculous vocal effect. The yeah. trampled underfoot by the rise <laughs> of the right. Oh, that's Graham. Uh, that's Graham Neville, Neville, and he ended up being in Primitive Race. But uh, he's the other co-writer. That song, that riff, is great. That song I recently sent the guys, and uh, maybe I'll put it on the the Facebook page. Maybe I already did. I think I did. Somebody took that song and put it to just watch them beat us all down. <laughs> they just put it to footage of Donald Trump rallies, and I was like, oh, this is this is sadly how. You it's know, true. Trample underfoot by the rise of the right. It sinks up way it's too true. well. And the uh, the other song, which is great on there, is is probably their best song. Is everything's cool. Definitely, I love that song. And everything's cool. Ha- they first of all, they've always been crazy for sampling. But that song samples Ministry, which is amazing. What sample? Because it, it goes like this. It goes, oh, oh, ah, and it's that don't 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 don't. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I never caught that. It's that clip. If you listen to it, they sample it right there. Honestly, Such that album, song. like, I think I listened to it all the way through twice in 20 years. But which one, uh, Dos Cidos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the title track and uh, oh no, no, Igmanens Oslander and Everything's Cool. I yeah. listen to those songs yeah. often. Yeah, and there's a lot of good songs on there. It's 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 and he's still doing the rapping on there, but it's uh, it's it's very interesting, very weird. It's definitely not for everybody. I enjoy it. I remember I I saw um, 120 minutes of nothing will come up a lot tonight. Because when I was deep in my Nine Inch Nails love and it was about to go on tour, David Bowie, I know he was going to go to the show, they played the 120 Minutes of Nothing on MTV where they played every video, they played a video from everybody they had on there. They played Meet Be Manifesto, they played Marilyn Manson, they played Prick, um, and they played, uh, they played this pop. Did they interview any of the Nothing acts at that point? Yeah, well, they interviewed Prick. Uh-huh. I talked about this yeah, last time. I remember that. Yeah. And then uh, they interviewed Marilyn Manson and Nine Tales and David Bowie. And what year was this? Was this before or after Antichrist came out? Because before. I remember... This, no, this is where they premiered uh, Beautiful People. Okay. Because yeah. I remember um, seeing an episode of 120 Minutes before Antichrist Superstar came out. Marilyn Manson was on there with Twiggy. And uh, Matt Pinfield was asking about the recording process. This is Kennedy. Process. This is Kennedy. Well, maybe okay. Maybe it was later. Maybe yeah. it was during the the, the promotion of uh, of Antichrist Superstar. Then because yeah. I remember sure. him asking like, 
Um, what uh, what was it like working with Trent Reznor and uh, Marilyn Manson was like we he made us grow mustaches and we rode around in a like a really expensive sports car trying to pick up girls or something. It was the <laughs> stupidest answer I've ever yeah. heard. But maybe that yeah. was the same one. Yeah, I, I but I do remember the videos and I, this Papa Lou itself video. This, the video is ridiculous, but the song stuck with me. That was a very cool song. Did that coincide with the Night of Nothing? Like, what was? The, do you know anything about that Night of Nothing? That, would, that sounds the amazing, and I've read about it. I, yeah, uh, I watched clips on. I've watched Prick on it yeah. on YouTube. Yeah, um, sounds great. <clears throat> Are you sure it wasn't Sweet Dreams, which was the video on the one you watched? No, it was Beautiful People because I. Well, I'll talk about it when we get to. You, you'll hear me uh, to be continued. We talk about Marilyn Manson, but seeing him on there and then seeing that Beautiful People is. Is probably why I've I've welcomed him with with open heart and open arms. <laughs> so, anyways, that's that's Popolute itself. Very weird band, not not for America. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I think whenever I of many of these artists, I pull up live footage on YouTube. I think I do that with everybody I like. Why not? Yeah. And the, uh, unless there's some camera trickery, the shows and some of the shows they have, like at the Great Big Day Out and stuff like that, the audience is really into it. Yeah. Across the pond. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean they were they were big. They were a really big act, but so strange rapping over techno industrial beats and uh, yeah. Anyways, um, when I first um, yeah, I I was making a joke because uh, I know Eric really really likes Papua Lee itself, and I and you're <laughs> right. Dos Dos Mis Amigos is actually a really good album, uh, but you have to understand that. It's for its time. It's not like it's a timeless record in that no, sense. It's not. I mean, it definitely it's not. feels like a '90s. I even made the joke like it sounds like an EMF. Like, it's funny album. That, and that you said that. And I earlier I, I said it sounded like a KLF album. So <laughs> it's funny that you see EMF because one of the reasons they ended up like just like quitting was yeah. they even after this they were asked to make an album and, and the producer said, well. If you're gonna do this, why don't you just like write some songs for EMF? And yeah. like fucking because like the production like style like you're yeah. unbelievable. Exactly, like, you could definitely yeah. just like hear that. But right. I mean, it's it's much better than EMF. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. Um, so before like uh, I don't really want to delve into the uh, the more electronic acts. So I'm gonna to toss it over to Steve to talk about. Um, he can start off by uh, telling us a little bit about Pig. Oh yeah. We're going to have to talk about electronic acts eventually. I know, I know. <laughs> I just know. lump them all together. That's what I'm trying to do. Trying to get the good stuff. They out. were sold together. They might as well be lumped together here. Um, well, Pig is Raymond Watts, and he is a multi-instrumentalist from the UK. Germany. Is he from... Was he, did, he's like, wasn't born in Germany. Oh, I don't know. I, th I, think he's, I think he's from London. Oh, okay. But I do know that he spent time in East Berlin. Where he founded, the co-founder, co-founder of KMFDM. Yes. Yeah. He was. He was. He was back with KMFDM when they were smashing uh, vacuums into broken amplifiers. Uh, Eric's favorite era of KMFDM. Yeah. And we're just. Was, I like the the pre-guitar era of KMFDM. And and guitars are the worst thing that ever happened. I have a lot to say about Raymond Watts, and I'm going to save it for one of our other episodes that are not about Nine Inch Nails when we talk about our favorite industrial bands. Yeah. That we learned about from Nine Inch Nails. Um, and we're going to do that in a while. But uh, uh, Raymond Watts, he, he helped out with KMFDM. But besides that, he just he, he was his own guy. He kind of was like a Nine Inch Nails before there was a Nine Inch Nails. Like right before Pretty Hate Machine came out, the album A Poke in the Eye with a Sharp Stick was put out on some label. 
somewhere by pig. And that's the thing with pig is Japan. that it's mostly, mostly, mostly in it's Japan. Japan. He's big in Japan, and all his all, all his albums are on weird labels that you're even even if you're into independent music, the ones that aren't on the one that isn't on nothing or wax track might be on Metropolis, but yeah. usually it's on something from Japan. Right. And usually those get re-released here like two years later. Um, but no, his stuff is it's it, it's Industri- it, it starts out as rock. He's into the groove. He knows how to play around with bloops and bleeps on his own. Well, his old stuff was it would have like industrial backing music, but horns and like a that's jazz that, but that's but thing. that's what sets him aside. Yeah, is then out of nowhere you're gonna get a Toxico or Salambo where there's salsa, and black horns mambo, and, yeah, and orchestration, and he he really was his own. He doesn't sound like anybody else. He's, He's got he, like a good deep goth voice like and it goes from whisper to like just huge huge throated yeah like deep goth. he's actually one of my favorite yeah, he's a great oh, he hold, that's the thing he really holds up I, I i feel that every one of his albums i've tracked down in one shape or form yeah even before i just down like i i i imported one of them when i worked at dimple i uh the the the, the wrecked album no or, the uh, second one the one swining that had, the one with the Alice Cooper cover on it, not the swining. Uh, uh, stroll in the pork. Stroll in the pork. Okay. That was stroll in the pork. Also, he loves puns. Yeah. <laughs> a stroll in the pork. Praise the Lord. Uh, pig, pig-based puns. The swining. Yeah. But no, yeah. he's, he's just. I. You can't go wrong with this catalog. Yeah, it's great. And I don't even think it's his best album, but the one they put out on nothing, I'm a big fan of. Sensation. It's so good. Yeah. It's a really I, good record. I might argue that it's the one of the best because it it feels like it's the most it has the most direction to it. Like, I think it's wrecked. very tight. It's a very tight album. So when I uh, revisited this album, uh, it, like, it seems like the, the back half um, really goes more instrumental. Mm-hmm. Am I right on that? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Am I, okay. Yeah, he, and he, that kind of reminds me of, like, a Bowie Berlin right, type of right. deal. I mean, Yeah, so. no, he, there's some great instrument. Like, that one song that's almost all piano, and then, like, you hear, like, uh, roller coaster sounds, like... Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. that's great. But, uh, yeah, this sensation... I listened to this week for the first time in 20 years. Wow. And when it came out originally, I bought it immediately. I loved it. Lost it in the in the interim. Saw them live open for KMFDM, which that might have been the first time we were all in the same room together before we knew each other. I wasn't there, man. You weren't there. Um, Steve was, was there. Was that during the Symbols tour for yeah. KMFDM? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Mark no. and I were fighting over a girl or it something. It was the one week I, oh. me and Steve weren't talking to each other. Oh, my God. It was bad God. stuff. Oh, my God. I don't yes. even... Of all the times. <laughs> of all the times. Were you there, though? Yes, oh, yeah, he okay. was definitely at the so Elrond Saloon. Steve That's and I were at the same show. Regrets. <laughs> um, and afterwards, uh, me and my my goth friend, uh, we uh, hung out with the band. Uh, we met Raymond Watts. He came out. He said, "You know, hello." We talked for five minutes, and then he walked back to his trailer with a couple of ladies. Good for um, him. Uh, but the band members wanted to go to the Club Amazon, which is oh, Sacramento's yeah. premier yeah. industrial club back then. <laughs> with a bunch of 17-year-olds. So I drove them there with my friend and dropped them off, and I had to go to school the next morning, and I had a curfew. So, uh, But it was What did you guys talk about in that drive? Oh, uh, how awesome Sensation is and where they're going to go on this tour. And yeah, it was, it was, it was fine. Was that Steve White was the guitar yeah. player, I believe? Yep. Yeah. He's the secret sauce on the yeah. album. <laughs> He's got some riffs so on good. that album. On Sensation? Yeah. 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 He's on a few Pig albums. And then he also went to join KMFDM yeah. full-time yeah. Mm-hmm. in, the, in the aughts. And, and, and listening to that album this week, I mean, I got teary-eyed. Like, that, 
that album is just have so many perfect songs on it. Uh, Pain, uh, Paniac. Yep. Serial killer me. thriller, hamstring on the highway. That's my now. Ham's, so good. Hamstrung on the highway. Hamstrung. Serial killer thriller, man. And yeah. That whole how the old yeah. album yeah. opens. Oh up. yeah, with the, with the with the violins. Yeah. And that was the that was the Raymond Watts difference. Is it, yeah. There's a lot of orchestration yeah. going yeah. on yeah. in all his albums. There's always Sample, a string section. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's ever real strings or if it's keyboards. Who cares? It sounded great. Yeah, it sounded great. And uh, yeah, the one through line on that album I like is that there's this weird reoccurring motif of uh, like uh, ra- cops on the radio being like, "All right, we got a guy down there to you know run across the street. We got to get him." Like there's uh, samples of cops. On their their CV radios, yeah. a few songs, mm-hmm. but uh, no, Hamstrung on the Highway is, is my yeah. my the, the second track. So uh, see the long thin shadow of the Reaper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. or the it's uh, kind of like if Nick Cave ever decided to do like more really embrace industrial music. I actually the, yeah. the what made in the same area is I feel like if. You, if if Tom Waits and the guy, that, the Michael Hutchinson from Inexcess, uh-huh. made oh, yeah. industrial, yeah. that would be pig. Yeah, that would be pig. Yeah, that's a really good. Yeah. <laughs> so the way the way they got on nothing, by the way, we're we're forgetting our yeah right. I mean, why we're all here tonight yeah. is uh, Trent Reznor. I guess he was on tour in uh, in '94 on the London leg of the tour. He he invited them to open for him, and they were saying, "Hey, we're working on this new album. It's going to be released in Japan on uh, Stone IPA Records." And, uh, you know, we got nothing going on over here. So he agreed to put the album out over here. Yeah. And the way I heard about it was I was big into my KMFDM thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, wait a minute. A guy from KMFDM is on Nothing Records too? I, I couldn't yeah, believe it. I think I remember. It was like, like my two favorite things at that time. Uh, yeah. I was, I was into KMFDM too. Like this was during that five-year gap where I was like, all right, fuck it. Industrial. Let me get it. Let me get it. Let me get it. And there, I remember seeing there was a Pig versus KMFDM before all this. And I was like, okay, what's Pig? And then that's kind of how I figured out, oh, it's all. Yeah. Remember that album, the Pig versus KMFDM yes. single? Great album. And uh, Find it, fuck it, forget it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, one of my also, favorite. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was to say he sang on KMFDM's biggest hit. Yeah, you joined Jezebel, and I was actually, I can't remember my path with KMFDM, which is for another episode. But I think at one point I was like, wait, he doesn't sing on all the songs because, mm-hmm. and he's just, the he's the the most talented part of that group. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I love that uh, track on uh, that KMFDM album, Nihil. Uh, Disobe- Flesh. 
Flesh is great too. Disobedience. Disobedience. Yeah. He's all yeah. over that. Yeah. He's all yeah, yeah with the horns and that's a good song too. Yeah. You know what? We're we're gonna blow our load if we want to talk about it again. He has a song called "The Rope" on this whining, I believe, mm-hmm. which is incredible. Just Google that. The Rope Pig. Yeah. But yeah, he also played with Psychic TV, Fetus, uh, Anderson Newbouton. He was a uh, he was around. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, Sensation around. is very special to me. I saw him play it live. It's top, It's in that top tier of nothing. Where I was like, oh, very this is good. this is memorable. This yeah. is listenable. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but I would put this in the I would put this in the top tier of just stuff I like in general. It's very And it cool. actually it went it kinda was the same way as Prick where he was like, Hey, I gave you that album, I'm working on something else. You what are we gonna do with it? And Trent Reznor couldn't be bothered or Right. Yeah. And so he just went went elsewhere with Rex. Yeah. Rex came out on I wanna say Wax Track. Wax tracks. Mm-hmm. He started working on it with the anticipation of nothing and then uh it went back to wax tracks. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, it just largely, I think it came down to the fact, um, you know, all money was really being pushed to more of the major acts, like Nine Inch Nails and Marilyn Manson, and some of these smaller acts, uh, they just weren't getting the, kind of the attention and affection that was probably suited to them, especially Pig. I mean, that, this would have been a great He should have been a star. That's what I'm saying. This would have been a cool <laughs> opportunity for someone who's doing something different, really ahead of its time. And uh, just like when you were one of the most talented people on the roster, when you went and saw some of those package tours in the late 90s with uh, Marilyn Manson or uh, shit, corn, whatever, right? I could imagine an opening act being pig, and like the audience would be like, This guy's awesome, yeah, like the opening tracks, uh, off sensation Mm -hmm. that would kill an arena live, right? So (laughs) that's what I'm saying, that's what I'm saying, like that was was meant to be heard by a large audience, right? I I would absolutely agree with that. And did they open up, uh, did Pig open up for Marilyn Manson or Nine Inch Nails? They opened up for Nine Inch Nails overseas, but that was it, yeah, okay. So, okay, um, we'll talk about him another day. Um, so I guess we could get some of the, uh, the bleep bloop stuff out of the way. Mm-hmm. Stuff that sounds like a 56K modem dialing. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right. So, uh, Eric, why don't we, why don't, actually, because it kind of segues into it. Mm-hmm. Tell us all about, now, Meet Me Manifesto is not total bleep bloop. No. Right. But he does lead to the bleep bloop. Sure. He literally did. Yes. Sure. So, so Meet Me yeah. Manifesto was like the first almost holy... Uh, like electronic act that he signed. Um, Jack Dangers is the main songwriter, but there's other people that play because they're they're like a who did quite a few remixes on stuff we've talked yeah, about previously. Yeah. Uh, and and that's real name Jack Dangers. Yeah. Oh, I don't know, but it's a great name. Yeah, um, he had other people in Meet Me Manifesto because they were really a live band. They would um, there'd always be like a repetitive electronic thing, but there would be like. Jack Dangerous had a really good vocal presence. There would be like live bass and a lot of live fucking around. Um, their first album. I had no idea. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, always... listen to listen to Storm the Studio. That was before Nothing Records. That was like an '80s. It's considered an '80s electronic classic. It's 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 hard and and for the time it was probably very edgy for electronic music. It's a very cool album. Um, they started with Subliminal Sandwich. Was the very first of the. Uh, nothing releases. Subliminal Sandwich is a double album. Uh, it is very much influenced by dub and reggae. <laughs> yes. <laughs> much to the chagrin of yeah. my co-hosts. Um, doesn't bother me as much. Uh, uh, I, I bought that album off of... Um, I bought it... See, I was 
This is where the nothing thing, the promotion worked of just yeah. being on nothing. Yeah, right. I bought it because on nothing. I want to say I got it from a, a publisher's clearinghouse type thing. And Columbia House, Columbia House, yeah. I mean BMG. Yeah, he, probably, he didn't get the big check. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, he didn't win a million dollars, but here's some little sandwich. <laughs> what what year did it come out in? Oh, was it was it ninety six? Okay, yeah. so I was probably fifteen when I got it, and I it was a double album, right? Yeah, yes. oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I I did not know what to make of it, and when I revisited it this week, last week, mm-hmm. it was way less challenging than I remember. Right. When I was in high school, I was like, what is, I, what, this is nonsense. I listened to it this week. No, I mean, it's a lot more melodic and uh, hip hoppy. I remember for some reason, my mind's eye or my mind's ear. Yeah. I remember it being noise. Yeah. But no, it's, it's, uh, no, it's good. It's, it's a very, yeah, it's, 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 it's very It's kind of like, boop, 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 every now and then they go into like, I'm the originator, assassinator, but yeah, bop, 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 bop. they get to a little <laughs> bit. Yeah. They get into that a little bit, but, um, I mean, dub, dub doesn't offend me. Dub is really where electronic music comes from. Um, okay. They took reggae stuff, added a little... They started to experiment with electronics. I'm not going to sell you fucking Sublime, guys. <laughs> but I'm just saying... I'm just saying... Dub was an original electronic kind of thing. They, they took a reggae bass line and started fucking around with electronics behind it. That's where it started. Some of it's good, some of it's terrible. Um, ministry... In, in, ministry's gone so far at the deep end the last few years. They put out a remix album of like all their best hits, dub remixes. <laughs> God, <laughs> I think it's called Last Dub Sucker. Oh, oh of course, yeah, of course. Um, no, yeah, I, 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 I just it's a bridge too uh, far for me to cross. I guess I don't know. Maybe Manifesto got me when I watched that 120 20 minutes of nothing they played. First, they played a live clip of them doing Helter Skelter, which if you've never heard their song Helter Skelter. It's fucking amazing. And, um, and then it cut to their official video for Asbestos Let Asbestos, which is a cover of a reggae song. But the way they do it, it's trip hop. Um, Jack Dangers is singing like his kind of like mis- mystery vocals on it. And the song is a fucking crazy, like sci-fi. It basically looks like that show Fringe many years before its time. It's a very cool video. Huh. A lot of like sci-fi samples on the record and it just, I, I think it's a really cool thing and then they followed it up with um, uh, sounds and voices What's mm. actual sounds and voices actual and that's the one voices. that I listen to and that's a great one too I actually that one's really it. good that, 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 that's, that's less no dub reggae on that one that one's a little bit more straightforward like what they used to do which was just like boom bap uh, clubby kind of Techno thing with some voices every now and then. Um, yeah. Acid Again is a great single. That's a good one. Wasn't one of those songs on the Matrix soundtrack? Yep. Uh, Prime Audio Soup. There you go. Was during all the like while you trains in the Matrix. That's yeah, right. yeah, and that yep. that that blew up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I uh, honestly, Jack Dangers and and Meet Me Manifesto is one of the great, uh, just kind of like great. Yeah, I think they're great. Yeah. I, I, I think, think it's it's better than some of the other stuff that uh, that we're going to be 
delving. Say they're into. pre mm-hmm. pre Fat Boy Slim kind of like sampley, uh, sampley techno stuff, and I and I think they're way better. Personal really personal palette, I'd rather listen to the bleeps and bloops, Aphex Twin, the light stuff. See, like that's the stuff. Like uh, the other electronic acts that are coming from Warp Records, with probably the exception of Square Pusher, because some of his other stuff is actually kind of more uh, organic. Because he loves to play the, he loves to slap of the bass. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah. Apparently, not to cut you off, and to cut fine. you off. Yeah, yeah. Jack Dangers brokered a deal with between Trent Reznor and Warp, and I'm sure it wasn't that complicated. But right, he made some introductions, and Warp said, "Hey, put these albums out," and they actually put. That Square Pusher, Autexture, and Plaid album right. all out in the same day. Mm. It's, it's funny I think uh, that he also introduced him to Luke Vibert of Plug. Yep, well. that would make sense. And so. it's funny, uh, Jack Dangers is one of the only people that has nothing but fond memories of their time at Nothing, right? Exactly. <laughs> he thought that it was is, a great deal. He thought right. they got a lot of good exposure, and when it was done, it was done, and he felt good about it. Like yeah. He's got a great attitude about it. You know, one other uh, little tidbit about Jack Danger, so whenever I remember. Um, so, you know that uh, album cover of DJ Shadows introducing? Mm-hmm. That was at the record store down in Sacramento. Sure, K Street. K Street, uh, that obviously. And so underneath that store, there was just like this catacomb of vinyl. Yeah. And so only like your high-end people that were going to be guaranteed to spend like 500 to 1000 yeah. bucks and like crates and crates of uh, vinyl. So... DJ Shadow obviously used to shop there, um, but he would bring along Jack Dangers. Mm. That Jack Dangers would also... Well, he's, whenever, he was San Francisco at the time. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. would actually drive down to Sacramento and yeah. uh, and shop at that oh, store cool. is what I'm yeah. hearing. Actually, did we go down there together? Which one? The catacombs? Yeah. Yeah, we went down there. Yeah. Yeah. We had the pleasure mm-hmm. of going down there. We knew a guy. We knew a guy. Yeah. Anyways, great. one of your co-hosts loves Meet Manifesto. If you like... Uh, uh, simple but aggressive electronic music. It's it's good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the actual sounds and voices. I got through it, no problem. Yeah. Speaking of DJ Shadow, I was driving home from San Francisco yesterday, and right around Davis, I was trying to think of something to listen to, so I put Introducing on. It holds up. Holds so up. Good. It's, good. Uh, it's, good. I it's think, classic. Um, for the life of me, it just, like, the third album, the one that with Fixed Income in Six Days, I, mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of the fucking album now. The one with the billboard? Does yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Whatever. Right. No, yeah. no, no, no. That's not the. That's oh, you're talking about the outsider. No, the one before the outsider. <laughs> well, the, the outsider, outsider had no. trap music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, God. Yeah. No, did it hyphy? Hyphy. There you go. High Ghost feet. riding the whip yeah. on that. One. Oh, uh, oh. Um, uh, yeah. Can you? I mean, like the one where the guy's rapping and stuck in traffic. Yeah, one? Blood yeah. on the highways on that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a good album. You yeah. know which one I'm talking about? Ah, uh, vaguely. Even DJ Shadow at his worst is still listenable. I, even, even, he's great. Even the hyphy albums. I like the hyphy yeah. albums. The hyphy album's fine. Yeah. yeah. I'll take E40 with a good producer any day of the week. Uh, we saw DJ Shadow play at Ace of Spades, and he didn't bring any... Uh, he might have brought that one guy from the fucking... Turf Talk? Turf Talk? Not uh, Turf Keek Talk. Keek the Sneak? Uh, from, <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> the guy from the... Quantum. Co- the Collective uh, from uh, Davis. Yeah. Oh, all right, all right. Uh, Blackalicious? Where the fuck is Matt Thomas when we need the <laughs> Blackalicious. Like, not Blackalicious. Someone else. Anyways, you can fucking hit up our Twitter handle. Um, so we're going to take a little bit of a break. When we come back, we're going to uh, just rush through some of this bleep blop stuff and uh, then talk about uh, two 
and 12 rounds and the the. And of course, uh, we are going to take a big old bite of Antichrist Superstar. We'll be right back. Welcome back. All right, so uh, on October 26, 1998, Nothing Records released an album by Plaid, Square Pusher, and Optector. Uh, that would have been Plaid's Not For Threes, Square Pusher's Big Loda, which is kind of a compilation of a few EPs, and then um, I believe it was Optector, their LP5, yep. which is untitled. And um, you could put all three of those on at the same time, and uh, it won't sound any different. Oh, I don't know if that's fair. <laughs> now, out of the out of the three, the uh, the one I really the, the band that I actually am the most fond of of those is even though I can't pronounce their name is Autecher. It's uh, Autecher. Autecher. Yeah. Huh. You can. They, they yeah. Uh, apparently the two dudes that uh, are are Autecher. Mm-hmm. They said you can say it any the fucking way. I had to look up for this episode. How yes. the hell do you pronounce this guy? Rob name? Rob Brown and Sean Booth, who I looked up. I'm not a huge super fan. Sure. Uh, all the records have been on Warp, and um, yeah, they're very like Aphex Twenty, like skittering drums and beats and glitchy bloops with a little bit of a melody behind it. You know. That's their thing. Not as engaging as Aphex Twin. No, nothing's engaging. Aphex Twin is what all these bands wish they were, I, th- right. I think. That's, That's kind of dismissive, enough. but... And I, I, can, I can listen to it. I can put it on the background. I can put it on for a drive. It yeah. doesn't offend me. I can't... I don't, I, don't have the, the, uh, I don't have the vocabulary to speak about it, but... You remind uh, me of... Have you ever heard of the band Scientific American? It's not a band. No, I have no. not. a band. It's a group. It's very similar. See, like, whenever I listen to stuff like this, I'm like, I could be just listening to Aphex Twin. That's how I feel about you it. You know? Because Apex Twin, actually, there's some m- memorable jams. Exactly. I actually enjoy, I get pleasure out of that. And it's not to say that it, I just don't get it. Because I do like what this is called, IDM, Intelligent Dance Music. The IDM. ID- I mean, wow, don't get me wrong. it's called? I believe that's what it stands You've for. You've never right? heard that before? Intelligent Dance Music? I swear that's what it stands for. I, I believe you, it but it's so stupid. Yeah. It's so yeah. stupid. But yeah, that's fine. That's great. Yeah. I mean, that would be my, that would be my like, preferred so, like, have you guys ever, genre This music movie. makes me like... Have you ever played the video game Portal? No? no. Uh, oh, yeah, I've heard of it. The Biome Prince. It's great. Yeah. You guys should both play it. Anyhow, a lot of this music makes me feel like I'm in the video game Portal. Got it. It's very sterile, but there's some action involved. <laughs> <laughs> I remember during this time, like, we were reading an article, of course, on uh, TR, and he was talking about some of these bands, and uh, when he was obviously showing... Autecker to some of the executives at Uni- uh, Universal Interscope, they were like, "Is this a fucking data CD? Where's the music?" <laughs> and that's why I don't know if I believe it when like some of these jaded ex artists say Trent was looking for something more commercial, and I'm like, "Are you sure?" Because right. he's putting this out. Exhibit A. Yeah, yeah, this is like I said, it's uh, it's a screeching. He could have Sugar Ray. If you want to, if you, for <laughs> for Autecker, if you want to find a song that you could pull up on uh, YouTube and enjoy. That uh, I, I I listened to all these damn albums on another. I, I went to a uh, Tolarium back in last week. Yeah, that gives me eight hours round trip to listen to music. I and, listen to um, them all as well. Yeah. There's a song called Ray, which is a R A E, which is a seven minute bleep and bloop opus. Yeah, I'd go for it.
Uh, Plaid had uh, uh, Plaid actually brought Bjork to Nothing Records with a song called Lilith, and it's a good song. Yeah, yeah that's that's right. I did listen to Not for Threes all the way through. Um, I tried to go through LP five, uh, and uh, uh, I did get through Selection sixteen by Square Pusher. It's not one of my favorite of his because I do have several of his albums, yeah. and um, one of them that I have is a live record. And it's actually pretty good because, like I had mentioned, he he is a really good bass player. Um, and Tom Jenkinson. Tom Jenkinson. Now his, his I have a few of his albums. I bought them used at discount at Dimple, but I have a few of them. And uh, one rotted note's a great one. It has a ton of live drumming and live bass on it. It's it's like a live. It's like a guy trying to play electronic music live. Right. It's good. I mean, and this is kind of around the time frame when I'm sure Trent Reznor was also looking at, uh, you know, drum and bass and jungle music and seeing how he was, you know, seeing like what he could potentially do for the next phase of uh, Nine Inch Nails as well. So So Plug, Plug was probably part of this. Plug was part of that. So that's Luke Vibert. But Plug Plug didn't release anything on nothing. Yeah. They did. It was Drum drum and Bass bass for Daddy and uh, Volume 1 and 2. How did... And the 3EPs. It's just, it, it's, the it wasn't EPs, available on any of my streaming services. The 3EPs were by the okay. beta Well, I used to own it. I used, <laughs> I used to, to own everything I used, on I used here. To own Are you sure we're not talking about Plaid or Plug? Like, plug. Plug, for plug. sure. Plug was drum and bass for was one of the House Nothing remixers. Okay. And yeah. he had a remix on... Uh, Noth- Perfect uh, Drum. Okay, yeah, well, Halo that album. wasn't part of the... Uh, the war, the warp records, big trade deal. But I would say, no, that, I would say that that no. plug. But Jack Dangerous did introduce, I guess, yeah. Luke Viber. Plug drum and bass for drum and bass for Daddy is if you can tolerate drum and bass music is a pretty interesting and fun record. Hmm. I used to own it. I don't anymore. I, I don't I couldn't find my archives, and so. it's not available. I can't find it on YouTube or yeah. anything. But it's there are some of, other plug to get. I'm sorry. Good. I, I was just going to say there are some other plug uh, uh, yeah. pieces out there on either on any of the streaming. I have a Luke Viber so. like as himself album somewhere yeah. that's pretty interesting. Speaking of two things that tie into this, that are, to die, to go back to Pig for a second, you're like, why, Steve? You go back to Pig. Uh, one, I forgot to mention that uh, Carl Hyde from Underworld was part of Pig's band, mm. and I think he might have been part mm. of the Nothing Connection there. Because Underworld did the Perfect Drug remixes, even though no, that came... Nope. Or oh, Space orb. Time Continuum. No. Yeah. 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 Well, but Underworld was great, though. Anyhow. Underworld's good. But yeah. there's a Underworld and Pig get along. And uh, also, speaking of not being able to find stuff in streaming services, that Pig album, it's on Apple Music. It's not on Spotify. It's not on Amazon. Yeah. It's also not on YouTube at all. Nope. You cannot find that album on YouTube. What, you, Sensation? You cannot find it on YouTube. That's why, wow. I, mean, you that's can why almost, I haven't heard it in 20 You years. can almost find any album on YouTube. Yeah. And that... that uh, you also so, can find uh, Fantastic Damage on YouTube. Really? Yeah. And we all know that my my my, uh, my iMac is still clicking dust somewhere, which man. is where the majority of my music is. But I luckily... Uh, back the last time I made a backup in about 2013, uh, that pig album was on there. So I took it out, put it on my work laptop, threw it in the cloud, and gave it to Eric. Yeah, that so. was uh, awesome. And I've been I, I did have week. that. I did have that. So if you needed that, sorry, man. So sorry, I wasn't there for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Won't be the first or the last. That's right. So I think Steve hit uh, plaid. He hit. Yeah. We talked we hit plug. All, all we hit octecker. Talked square pusher. Uh, we haven't talked about the Bowling Green. Oh mm. God! Thank you. I didn't listen to them, so I tried. Now mm. I, I got through. Guys, I hate to say, even, it. even on my mind-numbing drive to Tulare, 
where I can put anything on and just listen to it. I had to turn it off about halfway through. Guys, I hate to say it, the Bowling Green is the worst. Nothing release. <laughs> the Bowling Green. Also, it reminds me of that Kellyanne Conway thing. Uh, remember when there was yes, the, the Bowling, Bowling Green, Green yes, Massacre. Yes, the Bowling Green Massacre. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Maybe that's just what she was talking about. This album. <laughs> yeah. Could oh, be. Man, if I find out that Kellyanne Conway is a big Nothing Records fan. We'll have um, her on the show. Yeah, exactly. It'll be great. <laughs> so Bowling Green is Miko Westmoreland. Miko Westmoreland, uh, I don't know how he got involved. There's there, there's not a Wikipedia page for the Bowling Green. One, the one pound note, there's not. Um, I found a Amazon review that pointed me in the direction that he used to do gay porn uh, scoring the, the, you know, for the fluffer and other films. Way better than heterosexual porn. It is. That's scoring, I mean. Yeah. Either way. And, uh, and then he did the Bowling Green, which was like, the, even the cover looks like it was <laughs> so photocopied bad. off a yeah. picture. The cover, <laughs> so it's a one pound note, which is some kind of limey talk. And it has a, uh, it has a drawing. <laughs> Not here in our US of A. Is that, is that the UK America version first. of $3 bill, y'all? Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather, I'd rather listen to Limp Bizkit. <laughs> I'd rather I would get their more, version of faith ain't that. I, bad. I'd get more enjoyment out of Limp Bizkit than listening to the Bowling Green again. Honestly, it's it's a, uh, it's 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 some lo-fi, and by lo-fi, I don't mean that in a good way. Like the production quality on this is so thin, there is no like I don't know. It was well not even be a stereo release like, and it's it's definitely like Fat Boy Slimmy. Like it's a, this is samples. this is another case of a uh, he already put an album out on another label. And Trent Reznor decided to license it. Yeah. It, Which is the majority of what these are. But the, the, nobody, with the exception of Marilyn Manson, very, and maybe Meet me Manifesto, very few of these artists recorded their album thinking it's going to put out on nothing. Right. Yeah. And there's a couple yeah. tracks that are not painful to get through. Um, let's see. Uh, there are some that are totally, ter- like the vocal samples are just so repetitive and like high pitched and it's it, it sounds like like yeah, like Fat Boy Slim, uh, on ecstasy or something like that. But it's it's terrible. Um, let's see, Bowling Green. There was like there was two songs I was like, okay, this is fine. Then I can't find them, so don't worry about it. Don't yeah, listen to it. Don't Apparently, waste your time. Well, folks. that's some interesting trivia here. Uh, that terrible song, Gentleman's Reverse. Yes, that that's the worst song on the album. It's so bad. It's so was... Like I'll listen to it for a joke. It's like basically Cotton Eye Joe. That was... <laughs> Again, Cotton Eye Joe, which my son loves, has more value than this album. Uh, that was cut from the original U.S. edition due to sample clearance issues. Oh, but it was probably because it sucked. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, terrible. Also, Why would you pay, yeah, pay money to get those samples cleared. Another interesting note: uh, Miko acted in Tom Haynes' good film uh, Velvet Goldmine. Yeah. So yeah, if you look him up, he is a distinctive looking. He person. played the mysterious Jack Ferry, who was. A stat who was inspired by Brian Emo and Mark Bolin. Okay. Uh, good for him. Uh, yeah, I don't know. He's been around. I don't know how he got a nothing deal, but... <laughs> That's... Right. I don't know. Because <laughs> it's not like he was in the package deal. You know, it's not an interesting album. You know what's funny yeah. is that like, I, I usually feel like Eric is more patient or has more yeah. of an open mind sometimes out of the three of us. <laughs> And he was not... Not having it. Not, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even this one gave me nothing, my friends. Yeah. <laughs> and I had it on my regular... Like, I make a, like a whole playlist about 
like mm-hmm. everything we listened to up until now, and then what we're gonna talk about in the next one. Yeah. And I just jam- I put through the whole Bowling Green album. It's all on Amazon. I threw it all on my playlist. <laughs> uh huh. And um, I ended up skipping those songs. I mean, it's just like so, so paper bad. thin. It really sounds like half-assed uh, Basement Jacks or yeah, no, it's, it's, it's yeah, just, yeah. Oh man. <laughs> so good it's unfortunate all right so we got through the uh through that barely we have a few <laughs> other acts to go through um steve do you have anything to say on einstruzendi new Bouton? oh not much i not tonight that that's a they almost they they, they almost deserve their own little maybe they'll get some more love when we talk about and they're, industrial they're, bands they're overall. a noise band that has enough like dark wave in their songs that you don't even realize they're a noise band until yeah, no, you're like I, halfway like, through a song. Like they're very, they're they're interesting, and they, they, they have melody. Yeah, um, I I did have this album. I I didn't get to revisit End Day New. Um, that was the one that was, they released yeah. on nothing, and yeah. it, it was actually a really good record. No, they yeah. have some good. I, yeah. I, I I'm sorry, I came unprepared for this segment. I had one of their albums growing up that I really liked. Um, I was it Houster Lou? Um, I can't remember with the, the name pissing of it all. horse on the cover or anything? No, and it was they, they're a good band. Yeah. Lux Bargold um, is well, that's, that's, is actually you know that's obviously why they, Nick they, Cave. They, they, even, even if Anderson Mountain was terrible, they'd get a pass because Blixa was a bad seed for twenty five years or so, yeah. right? And a big part of what makes the bad seeds awesome. But they're good. Yeah. I mean, even like they're a noise group, but there's always like a bass and a drum kind of thing that. Centers their structure. It's yeah. still there's a lot of songs still, and everything has yeah it has something of value. So I did not get my hands on Ende New. I did not either. And it basically was another it, case. It, of, it is hard to find. I actually case, found it, a couple of the songs from it on their best of album. Oh, strategies. Yeah. So I, I listened to those songs, and they're, they're, they're they were. Great. I'd imagine were, it was a case were, of Turner Reznor being like, I respect this band so much, like Coil. It was. What can? That's what exactly can I, what happened? Let me see if I can get get some units shifted for them, and you know. Yeah. It's one album on nothing, and then they went and went back to. So they did release Pottery Barn Records. They did yeah. record an album called Silence is Sexy. They handed it to Interscope. They said, no, thank you. Um, this was kind of towards the end of uh, uh, Nothing Records, and they just basically said, nope, uh, we're, we're not going to release that. And uh, Blixa was like, I've never had that happen before. And so they obviously. But with a heavy a, German accent. Yeah. Uh, very sanctimonious. Uh, or It just was not a good. Uh, uh, dissolution of that. Of that About what year was this? Um, um, in front of me, I want to say it's like 97, 98. Somewhere okay. around there. Yeah. All right. So it wasn't... See, it's a good thing it happened then. Because then a few years later, uh, this crazy uh, bearded man, Warren Ellis, broke up his best friendship with Nick Cave. So, you know. Broke up? His... That's a joke. Oh, I was going to say, yeah. Warren Ellis basically replaced Blitz of Bargo. He did. Seats. Yeah. And uh, some could say even Mick Harvey on that. Um, so the next, as I'm chewing, this is makes for yeah. good, good <laughs> Remember sound. boys, this, these are good, good microphones. Yeah. Uh, two. Uh-huh. So 
Two uh, was another project. Um, so that was Rob I, I remember when Two came out, we were buddies. Yeah, yeah. We were, Mark and I were collecting music together when Two came out. Yep. Go ahead. That was remember, the end of the story. <laughs> I remember, seeing a, I, I remember seeing a music video. and um, For I'm a Pig. Right. And, yeah. yeah, for I'm a Pig. And, yeah. um, and, and honestly, like, I knew who Judas Priest was, but I did not know who... Rob Halford was as the lead singer. Yeah, um, I mean, I I didn't I didn't know him by name. So like, the song went on. I thought the aesthetics, the whole time I was like, the aesthetics actually match a lot of what I'm into. Yeah. Oh, at the end, when I saw the the nothing logo, I was like, oh, that makes sense. And then later, I found out that was Rob. You Halford. know, I've never saw the video. I never saw the video. Yeah. Um, I remember the local rock station was like, oh, uh, Rob Halford from Judas Priest is going industrial, like like Nine Inch Nails. And um, out of the closet and into the club. <laughs> yeah, John Lowry um, at that time was known as more of a session musician. Um, I think he helped write and record um, David Lee Roth's DLR band yeah. album. He was so. I recently, funny enough, John John Lowry. I listened to a podcast called Metal Sucks, mm-hmm. and they all, they always have really good interviews with metal guys. And they had an interview with John Lowry, and his thing now is he's basically like uh, Buckethead but less gimmicky. Yeah. He's a hyper-technical he, player that... Goes under John 5. Yeah, yeah, he goes under John 5 still. He's a hyper-technical player that has his own bands that play a lot of instrumental songs. He also is in Rob Zombie's band. Yeah. But at this time, he just moved to L.A. just to become a, a guitar player. And he's a session guy. He is playing music with uh, David Lee Roth. And he answered a, a call Yeah. for two. They basically were putting together like, Rob Halford's going to make an industrial band. Would you like to be the guitar player? And he... Won the won the placement there. So they were first originally known as Gimp, um, but uh, apparently there was another band that also had rights to that, so they changed it to just two. Um, some people write it out like the word T W O or the number two W-O. followed by W O. Um, so apparently, how they came on nothing was it was uh, during uh, Mardi Gras uh, in. Uh, Speaking of which, it's. Well, it's, it's around that time, yeah, right? It's right now, yeah. Is it? Okay, yeah. Um, and so there? they no. were no. walking down the street. They saw the doorway uh, to Nothing Room Rafford Studio. They knocked on the door. And who do you think opens the door? Our man. Dave Rave. Our man, Rave Ogilvy. The Rave. Same article, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, you know, it makes sense that he would have been the guy who would be like, yeah, who's that? Yeah. <laughs> they toured the studio. They got to meet the, uh, the man, TR. And uh, then it became Kismet, and two became a Nothing Records release. I never listened to it until recently. I honestly, it's it's generic as shit. Yep. You know. I what are we? Are? I would say I would say it's highly listenable though. Like, although all the all the song titles sound like something an old man would scream out of his window. <laughs> I'm a pig. My ceiling's too low. The water's rising. Waters. Leaking. <laughs> well, it, it, I mean, like, I made this joke, but it really sounds like uh, Rob Halford uh, didn't want to jump on a plane and actually go to a recording studio, and he just did it over the phone, all of his vocals. Um, and I made the really bad joke that it's like, uh, Brother Lynch hung, and Eric got really mad, and he said, X-rated, goddammit. <laughs> X-rated is yeah. a Sacramento rapper that recorded many albums over the phone. The prison phone. <laughs> Because he was stuck. So in two is not an exceptional album. Yeah, it's very cookie cutter, but it's for what it is. I enjoy listening to it. But apparently they recorded it, and then Trent and his boys like dissected it and made it a nothing album. Like well, as far as like throwing some flourishes, 
flourishes. I mean, I, I bought it on day one, um, and because uh, again, I'm thirsty for anything Trent sure. Reznor at that yeah. point. You put your name on it, and I'm like, oh, it must be good. Um, so. And I, I was wrong. It wasn't that great. Um, this is before I'm, he joined Marilyn Manson, so that was the John Five. John Five, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it's all no, it's not, it's it's an okay album. And if I have to uh, pick a track off there, probably I'd say "Water's Leaking." I believe is the name. It's good. I, it's the good only game. song that I really is memorable to me is "I Am a Pig." It's a great single. It a single. It's a great hit. It's yeah. fine. You know, as a curiosity, I like it because it was, I believe it was tight. Like, I think Rob Halford came out of the closet right before that. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, I think so. That's exactly right. And I, I just, around that, like, around that, that's a big deal back then. And I love the fact that, you know, he came out of the closet in the whole metal community. A lot of, a lot of uh, backwards thinking fellows were probably like, wait a minute. You mean all this leather I've been wearing is because of the gays? Right. You know? <laughs> I mean, like, if you go through Judas's pre- Judas oh, Priest, like, gloriously ram it down. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, hell bent for leather. Um, even even the uh, even the album for I want to say Turbo Lover just has a hand gripping a joystick, and you're like, wait, I know what that's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, but I, I in my I wasn't a big I a big Judas Priest guy as a kid. But in my 20s, I became a huge Judas Priest fan. I've seen them a few times. They're one of the best metal bands of all time. Even if you're not a metal head, there's a lot of Judas Priest songs, I think, that appeal to anybody. They're great. Yeah. Um, and then, then, then there's these random weird covers of like uh, Joan Baez songs and stuff you don't expect. Just Judas Priest, very talented band, very great singer, Rob Halford. Yeah. And uh, uh, this, this isn't a good example of his great vocals. I don't think it is. is. I think that no. this is like he literally he, he phoned it in. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, if, if anybody uses it as a gateway to get to Jewish Priest, which probably doesn't happen. Right. But uh, it kind of did for me a little bit. Yeah. So were you a fan of Fight? No, Fight's not that good. Neither yeah. is Halford. Okay. Yeah. No, Hal- Halford's best with Jewish Priest. He needs Jewish Priest to be good. It's kind of like the easiest comparison is Bruce Dickinson's solo work is terrible. So we got two more bands to get through. Uh-huh. Balls um, to Picasso. We uh, the next one is twelve rounds, oh. um, and like when I first heard the the single for Pleasant Smell, I hated it. I fucking hated uh, Claudia's voice. Um, so Claudia, it's really like a three piece, um, but mostly it's known for being uh, Atticus Ross, who obviously became a huge part of Nine Inch Nails and Trent Reznor's yeah. recording. Uh-huh. Um, Claudia, his wife, was on vocals, and who later did uh, vocals for Jerome Dillon's uh, solo record called Nearly. So she's all over that one as well. I'm susceptible. Wait, so this is Trent Reznor's wife? No, no, no. This is Atticus, Atticus oh, Ross's yes. wife. Um, I'm susceptible to the trip hoppy stuff, but she she seems a little too cutesy every now and then. It sounds like an old time over a trip hoppy. But, but having uh, said but, that, I don't like the song Pleasant Smell, but the album actually as a whole is not that bad. No, actually, and it's only a couple songs that the cutesiness gets in the way. For the most part, it's it works out really well. It's 
I wouldn't listen to it. I mean, as an experiment, I enjoyed it. You're I don't right. know how often I would put it on, but it, I would not put it on. I'll the, never put it on again. But the music was great. It was if great. I need to listen to this kind of stuff, I put Massive Attack on. Uh, or Portishead. Portishead. It's the RC Cola. Yeah. And you know, our friend um, who's really into Portishead, he actually, you know, was the one that actually defended. 12 rounds to me and I was just I don't I don't get it but I didn't hear the whole album of My Big Hero um, but there are some uh, there are some tracks worth listening to so it's it, it's worth your time if you are doing what we did and going through the whole nothing and, catalog and just a spoiler alert I do like Atticus, Atticus Ross uh, his, Atticus Ross yeah his, his presence in Nine Inch Nails currently yeah. I think he adds a lot definitely very good layer of film definitely i and, think that and, he's yeah. and the music in 12 rounds is is, is great i not that bad yeah, it's like not it. that bad as well, like initially probably would be better instrumental you're right because I, did, <laughs> I didn't say that <laughs> I do think that her vocals do kind of diminish every now and then they do yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah especially when she goes for like old timey make a phone right just just do just sing just little sing. that shit goes a long way but you're apparently not, you're not Shirley Temple just just <laughs> we're in the 90s but yeah. they hung with nothing records until the bitter yep, end they and did. they, they did. have a uh, an album that is not uh, not released and Atticus Ross was even uh, with Trent working on the Tapeworm project with Danny Loner Charlie Clouser manager James Keenan from Tool um, even Phil Anselmo who you know how I feel about that uh, actually, friend of the bro. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, um, uh, we're not really going to talk about tapeworm tonight because it didn't happen, and uh, we'll we'll some. We'll Can find, only imagine how we'll cool find an was. opportunity. We'll find an opportunity. I just don't like the. Tapeworm I don't like this perfect circle crossover. Yeah. It, Atticus yeah. Ross also. Do you had, have a problem with perfect circle? Eh, it's just crazy about it. Huh. I like perfect circle. I, I think they're all right. Um, uh, Atticus tr- Ross. If we're ever going to talk about Tapeworm, it kind of eventually evolved into that pussifier. Pussifier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm not crazy about No. Atticus Ross um, also had a uh, release on Epitaph Records. Uh, it was called Air. Oh, man. That's actually worth your time. I tried I to dig that album that. up. I used to have that album. It was uh, Atticus Ross and um, the lead singer of Dillinger Escape Plan. Oh, uh, okay. Dillinger Escape Plan. Mm. Okay. That could be good. Wasn't that bad? It was right. definitely a, like an EP one-off. It's not like Atari Teenage Riot, but it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Um, Actually, I'm surprised Alec Empire never put anything out on Nothing Records. Right. I like I like Atari Teenage Riot. Um, and then the next piece. So we've hit twelve rounds. We've hit two. We've oh the the. So the the was almost uh, towards the end of Nothing Records. They released one record. Let me cut Mark off real quick. Sure. I arbitrarily put the agenda together for this episode. And for some reason, I gave Mark the the. Yeah, I mean, honestly, <laughs> me and Steve actually saw the the I live tell you in one Sacramento. Thing about that show. I, I couldn't remember anything on it. It sounded um, like coffee shop music. Yeah, like, but this album is actually very atmospheric. It's actually yeah. not that bad. I was listening to it on the way back from a long uh, car trip, and I listened to the whole thing, and it was fine. Lyrically, it's it's stupid. Um, <laughs> like uh, a lot of nursery rhymes, um, you know, but. 
I actually think musically uh, there was some stuff to offer there. I, I didn't think yeah. it was like old man song, singer songwriter stuff. Um, I don't know much about the, the and sorry because I know some people. Definitely no, I know they've prefer. got a lot of cred in post like right. British post punk. Definitely, right? yeah, definitely. Their big radio hit. This is the day was great. This is the day your life is gonna change. Nope. You know that song? Not at all. Look nope. that song up. <laughs> you got homework. You're gonna recognize it from the melodica that's in that song. Okay. You have song to talk about, right? Nope. Really? I have no idea. Hit so um, this is the only the the that I've ever been exposed to, even though I saw them live, and I'm sure they like. And they probably played the song it, I'm talking about. It was a happy <laughs> auditorium, I'll tell you that. Um, but I liked them. Pete I mean, Yorn opened. They did. He mm. did, and it was boring. Um, the whole the whole thing was boring. We got it for free. Yeah, but the the is just it's 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 just like it's rock. It's fine. It's it, just, it was fine. It's nothing to really like, oh my god, I need to get the rest yeah. of their catalog. It was just, it was fine. This follows into Trust Bay. Yeah. So do you want to get into the uh, bands that weren't signed? Do you want to just run through those? Sure. Uh, hold on one second. Okay. This makes for good radio, <laughs> dead air. You're going to have to edit that. So there was four bands, like I had mentioned. We already talked about Tapeworm, but again, we're not going to get into that tonight. Um, so there was Coil. Um, there was Trust Bay. And there was Mondo Vanilli. Um, Mondo Vanilli never actually saw the light of day, and apparently I don't know if that ever was a band. Period. It, it they was had more a couple like songs. Yeah, it was. They were like a visual art thing. They um, were going to do a, a music. They, Trent liked the demo, and then it just never happened. He definitely did say something shitty about Trent. So yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, he said something like. When Trent went through his own downward spiral, we got dropped. <laughs> yeah. Something catty. <laughs> I don't even know who it is, and uh, if you're a fan of Mono Vanilli, if they ever really actually release anything, um, then yeah, good, on, good you. on you, man. Yeah, send us send us a track. I'd love to hear. Yeah, I'd love to hear what kind of you know. Uh, they do actually have a David uh, Byrne one of It's available on like Bandcamp, SoundCloud, Pirate Bay. So it's is all I O U, babe. So is all is Eric's work. So it doesn't yeah. mean anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he released a new track for uh, IOU Babe called The Ballad of Brent Buzzkill, aimed at Reznor and the label. Oh, boy. Um, oh, Brent Buzzkill is a track. So that's, yeah. that's great. So And that's exactly what he said. What uh, what my good man said about the downward spiral. Yeah, well, fuck that guy. Yeah. Uh, Trust Bay was basically a one-man show type band uh, by a guy named John Bergen. And uh, he actually, James O'Barr, from, who made the Crow comic... Mm-hmm. Claims he was going to be part of Trust Obey. That's right. Now, I'm not sure how that worked, but there's actually 
a soundtrack to the Crow comic called Fear and Bullets by Trust Obey. But the, uh, the album that they were going to put out on uh, nothing is called Hands of Ash. And uh, it never came out in nothing, but it came out on the internet. And you can hunt it down. I think it's worth listening to. You listen to it, right? I liked it. Uh, I haven't listened to it, so yeah, I need to do that. It's it's very interesting. All the songs are like eight minutes plus. It's they're, very they're sludgy. It's very. It I would, would have been good if it was on. I would I would say it's sludgy, and uh, do like doomy. Yep. Metal. Here. The guy the guy sings like an old man. It sounds it sounds a lot like it sounds a lot like early Godflesh, which is a lot. It's it's very. Bom 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 bam bom 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 bam bom and down I actually felt myself really liking the music on this one. Oh it's good it's good. No, it's if you like if you Mark you probably actually like it. I don't know if you ever listen to Godflesh. I haven't really no. It might get it might like scratch part of your Neurosis itches. Okay, right. Some sure. sort. Yeah, it's, it's just a, it's sludgy. Yeah, no, really it's sludgy. Thing. There's there's sense where you need them, and then the old man vocals. I actually wish it would have came out nothing because they didn't have anything like this on. The yeah, no, it's true. It would have been a. It would have been the closest. It would probably thing been the, the heaviest thing they put yeah. out. Yeah. But wasn't there a sticker? Uh, there was a yeah. So apparently they got told by Trent Reznor again. Oh, I'm not really hearing a single here or something like that. And so when it didn't come out and it came out elsewhere. There's a sticker on there that said, Trent Reznor really doesn't hear a single here or something or, like that. Yeah, uh, not a commercial appeal or yeah, something no, like Yeah, that. not, not a, no occurred commercial appeal. Yeah. Which, again, I still don't believe those stories. And I remember actually seeing this album stocked at our local record store and with that uh, sticker, and I, I was always puzzled, but now yeah, it all makes, it all makes sense. Yeah. It's an interesting lesson. Coil? Coil. Coil's pretty good. Coil was like... Before nothing and after nothing, but never released anything on nothing properly. Right. Uh, the old, uh, a member of Throbbing Gristle. Um, was he? Peter, Peter Christopherson? Not Peter, was the he? other guy. See, there's Peter Christopherson, who was the guy that was a... Uh, he did, like, some directing work. He did the... did. He did Pink Floyd album covers. He was part of Psygnosis. No fucking way. Yeah, like the Wish You Were Here album cover, he did that. He was a part of that. That's yes. insane. He definitely was part of that. Because he directed the uh, March of the Pigs video. He directed the Broken video. Yeah? Yeah, he was born in the uh, early 50s. And he did a lot of uh, cover. did some Peter Gabriel covers. He's a, a well-known uh, graphic designer. So, yeah, it's Peter, Peter Christopherson and... Uh, oh, God. The other guy's name. John Balance. That was, that was the two guys. There you go. And, yeah, one was in Throbbing Gristle. And they were actually a couple... And uh, they made music as Coil throughout the years. Not very prolific, but always around, kind of. Yeah. And Eric, uh, I think you listen to it more than I do. I think they're I very, like they're very, they're very first wave industrial. Yeah, they are. They're, like, when you, know. you listen to the, that, like, like horse rotator, <laughs> with like songs like Anal Staircase <laughs> and such, it's actually a really good album. But it's like experimental and stuff with. But they knew it wasn't noise. They knew what they were doing. No, there there's melodies there. and It reminds me of the Brap sessions from Skinny Puppy mm-hmm. with a, a very British singer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not bad. They are a big influence on Trent Reznor because yeah. they remixed a bunch of stuff. Actually, there was... They have a whole album of, of, of Nine Inch Nails remixes. Yeah, it was put out... Uh, some Reznor released, some not released. Recoiled. Trent Reznor didn't know they put that out because yeah. they didn't. It was put out by fans. Yeah. 
And they apparently they, they dug up a uh, a lost remix of Eraser or something that's on there. Hmm. There's a uh, there's yeah there's a few there's a couple it's called Recoil. Eraser. There's a it came out after closer both, one that never came out. Unfortunately, yeah. both those gentlemen are dead. Um, one died from a fall, and then Peter Christopherson died of an illness. And uh, that that was put out by fans after they died. Terrence was like, ah, oh, I didn't know this was coming out, but who cares? He wasn't gonna stop me. Wasn't going to stop the fans. That's right. You can't stop the fans. If you like, uh, if fans you like, like industrial, us. go, listen to, go if, listen to Coil. If you like early psychic TV, throbbing gristle type stuff, you'll like Coil. Yep. Um, and also, they had an album out called uh, Backwards. That was the one that was going to come out on nothing. That's right. It never did. But then they released a version of it later called The New Backwards. And it was actually recorded part of it in Nothing Studios. And they said that Trent Reznor, without him, they couldn't have made that album. So... Well, that's good stuff. Well, we've eaten our vegetables. Now it's time to actually uh, uh, dig into the uh, the prime rib. So we are going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, Marilyn Manson. We're going to talk about the year 1997 and Marilyn Manson. 96. That seems a good place to stop and split. So that's what we're going to do. Um, next episode, we will be discussing Marilyn Manson exclusively and doing our old little pop culture walkthrough of 1996. Um, Steve probably thought it was going to be 97, but who knows what Steve's thinking. Years just mesh together when you're over the age of 35. So, um, hope you enjoyed this first half of the episode. Uh, the second half is coming very soon. I just need to get off my ass and edit it. It is sitting in the can, waiting to be in post-production. And then after that, we're going to go into a whole slew of Nine Inch Nails stuff. So stay tuned. Thank you, and we love you.